Coming up on this Jerusalem Dateline, Netanyahu closes in on a coalition agreement, while a rabbi and his wife ask for support from Israel's parliament to fulfill the biblical command to care for widows and orphans. And an Israeli journalist weighs in on anti-Semitism and free speech. Plus, Bethlehem prepares for Christmas, while Hanukkah celebrations bring joy to Jerusalem, and an Arab Christian shopkeeper continues his family's legacy. All this and more on this edition of Jerusalem Dateline. Hello and welcome to this edition of Jerusalem Dateline. I'm Chris Mitchell. With the deadline to form his government looming, Benjamin Netanyahu continues to work on a coalition agreement between Likud and the religious parties. Some of the ongoing negotiations concern control of the national police, citizenship requirements, settlement expansion in Judea and Samaria, and subsidies for certain segments of the population. The mandate given to Netanyahu by President Herzog was to present his coalition by December 21st. I spoke with Middle East correspondent Julie Stahl and senior editor John Waggy about what's ahead. John, Julie, great to be with you again talking about Israeli elections. We're almost on the eve of the deadline for Benjamin Netanyahu to form a government. John, where are we right now? Well, I think we're on the slow march to the government. I mean, this has been, uh, rather than the kind of hectic and frenetic uh, last four elections, this one's been very smooth, slow, but you're still at the same point where those were, where mm -hmm. you're on the verge of a deadline and don't have a government. I think they're going to have the government, and uh, it's going to be pretty much a fait accompli once some of this legislation gets through the mm -hmm. Yeah. Julie, this is probably one of the most... Uh, politicized governments, perhaps, and, and publicized. Uh, lots of talk about what it's going to be. What are some of the concerned Israelis have about the formation of this new government? Well, I think one of the, the big things is this the, about the law of return. This government wanted to change the law of return, tighten down who would be allowed to come into Israel. Uh, that would have probably prevented the, the Aliyah in spring from mm -hmm. Russia and Ukraine. Sure. And uh, also, uh, a lot of people are concerned because they want to annex Judea and Samaria. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of moving parts there. You know, we, we see that as the biblical holy land. Mm -hmm. um, the Arabs are concerned. They want their own state. There's also the concern of uh, what do you do with these people if you annex them? How are mm -hmm. you going to, you know, are they, will they become citizens? So there's a lot of, a lot of concerns, a lot yeah. of moving parts. Major concerns. But, John, it really, even before the government has even been formed, there's a lot of internal and external opposition. Yeah, Chris, I've never seen anything like it in Israeli politics in the time I've been covering it. Uh, you've got people within Israel saying that this is akin to the government in Tehran. What? You know, I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And yet they're, they're, uh, they're there are legitimate concerns about what this new government might do. But then on top of that, you've got the UN pumping out resolutions like crazy while the old government's still in place, anti-Israel resolutions. And then you think, well, that's got to be preparation for what they're going to do when the Netanyahu government comes into being. It's, it's a war on all fronts. And really, I think in, a, in the end, that somewhat helps Benjamin Netanyahu, because he can act as a break on the religious parties within his own coalition, but at the same time, he can push back against the excesses of the rest of the world, which really are over the top mm -hmm. right now. And one of the threats that the former government has and any future government has is going to be the nation of Iran. And you were saying that uh, current Defense Minister Ben Gantz was warning about Iran recently. 
Yeah, he was, you know, he, he said uh, basically that Iran isn't just a threat to Israel. Iran is, first of all, a threat to the, to the, the free world and the Middle East. And within that, it's a threat to Israel. And, you know, he also kind of indicated that, you know, now there's with so much internal unrest in inside Iran that, you know, now's the time people need to take stock of what's going on. Quickly, John and Julie, how, how should people be praying? Uh, I think pray for stability. Israel needs stability with the external cha changes going on. Mm -hmm. And just that uh, the, the Lord will put leaders in place that, uh, that this country will have good government. Yeah, Julie? Yeah, I think really that, that uh, this, all this friction that's been the last few years, that the fighting, the infighting would, they'd kind of make some kind of peace, resolve, you know, not just keep attacking Netanyahu or keep attacking each other, but like really try to make some progress towards helping the people in the country. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think, uh, yeah, that we'd also be protected. Yeah. And praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Amen. Exactly. John and Julie, great to be with you. Good to be here. Thanks. The Bible says true religion is taking care of widows and orphans. One group hopes that Israel's lawmakers will make taking care of widows and orphans a national priority. Here inside the Knesset, hundreds of widows, widowers, and orphans enjoyed a day to honor them. Today, we are fulfilling the words of the Bible. It says that Hashem wants us to hear the voice of the widow and the orphan. We're coming to the place that represents the independence of the state of Israel. And here, we're telling all the lawmakers, see the widows and orphans, hear the widows and orphans. Rabbi Yehuda Glick and his wife Hadas brought together this gathering. What we're doing right now is telling the members of the Knesset, telling the, the Israeli parliament, let's serve them. It is time. The time has come. If we want to know how to serve Hashem in His holy temple, one day we need to start now with the young widows and widowers, with the little orphans, with their little orphans. We need to start learn how to serve them. Knesset member Mary Regev came to greet some of the widows and orphans, while throughout the day, nationally known Israeli singers entertained the gathering. Later, the Friends of Zion Museum also held a reception in the honor of these families. And this is what these are the princes of God. He is the father of the fatherless. He is the father of orphans, the advocate of widows. And we are here also to praise those mothers and fathers that lost a spouse, and they are raising their children all by themselves. Rabbi Glick and Hadas had an organization called Amitzim, which in Hebrew means the brave. The goal of Amitzim is to fulfill the biblical mandate to embrace and strengthen the widows and orphans. This former widow and widower reach out to these young families in need with fellowship, friendship, and trained volunteers who serve hot meals and love at their weekly gatherings. They know from personal experience the premature death of a spouse threatens the stability of a family and leaves a gaping emotional hole for the surviving wife or husband. It was terrible because he was my best friend and we, he was a great father. I'm a physician, so he took care of the children with me. At first, it was very hard. They, was, they were broken. I was broken, but I had to, to you know, to hide it, to, to uh, help, help them. They came to ask the representatives of Israel to help strengthen their families. We say to the state of Israel, we want help, but just so we can continue to give to other people, not to ourselves, to keep it to ourselves. After... Uh, 
mother or father of children, of young children, passed away, it's very difficult for the families. We should stay family together. And we need help to continue to beat a strong family. And I think the most important thing in such event that the understanding that family like us need some kind of help. It's not a welfare because we're not, uh, you know, family that need, uh, uh, I'm not talking about uh, finance uh, assistance, yeah, yeah. you know, more moral. Yehuda and Hadas hope to take their local initiative national. We want to make it to a national day every year in Hanukkah, the holiday where we celebrate the light in times of darkness, the holiday that we celebrate the fact that the few can overcome the loss of hope. Coming up, an Israeli tech journalist gives his take on the Twitter controversy and free speech. Now, for a limited time, you can get five of CBN's critically acclaimed documentaries. Experience the rebirth of the modern state of Israel. The historic bonds between the Jewish people and the land of Israel and not be broken. Relive the battle for Jerusalem in the Six-Day War. Jerusalem is yours forever. Discover how Israeli volunteers are changing the world. When people need us, we volunteer and we come and help. Explore the world of Israeli technological innovation. We're people of dreams. God gives us dreams. And that's really the roots, I think, of, of much of our innovation. And understand the biggest land dispute in history. Many Palestinian Arabs claim that the Jews stole Arab land. But is that the real story? This exclusive Israel DVD collection can be yours for a gift of $29.99 or more. Call now or go online to get your Israel DVD bundle, which includes streaming access. Download the CBN News app, 24-7 News, from a Christian perspective at home or on the road. One place for all of your news. Breaking news alerts. Set daily prayer goals and pray for news stories. Read the most important news and watch CBN News Channel Live. CBN News, because truth matters. Go to CBNNewsApp.com to get the app today. This holiday season, go deeper into the biblical story of Christmas. In CBN's free devotional, Emmanuel, God with us, you'll witness God's nearness in the birth of Jesus, and you'll be encouraged to trust in God's promises for your life today. Get your free copy of Emmanuel, God with us. Call 1-800-700-7000 or go to cbn.com slash Emmanuel. Recent revelations show how deliberate was the massive censoring, deplatforming, and canceling of people by platforms like Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. It appears new Twitter owner Elon Musk will display a much more tolerant respect for free speech. But as Paul Strand reports, a top Israeli tech journalist has doubts about Musk and free speech that maybe is too free. Tech journalist Hillel Fold, the world's seventh most popular tech blogger, says Twitter's a very big deal. I don't think people realize how significant it is. I mean, you hear it on the news, you know, this guy tweeted, that guy, all politicians, that's how they're getting their message out. So Twitter's, you know, while it's not as big in terms of users as Facebook, it is, in my opinion, the most significant platform in the social media world. So he's concerned as he's watching new Twitter owner Elon Musk make big bumbles at the start. You look at some of the things that he did. He fired a person in the company who's in charge of access, physical access to the, to the office. 
and he got locked out of the office because no one could open the door for him. You know, I think there's certain things that maybe he's doing that are that are okay in terms of free speech, not free speech, but my, my biggest problem, if you'd ask me my biggest problem here, it's the lack of consistency because the supreme leader of Iran is on Twitter all day calling for the genocide of Jews, like straight up genocide of Jews, and he's allowed on the platform. But Donald Trump, and I'm not talking politics here. Forget if you like Trump, you don't like Trump. But at least be consistent. You're going to kick him off. You're going to kick Kanye off. Kick him off, too. So for now, at least, Fold feels Musk doesn't have a clue what he's doing with Twitter. Though he has hope. I think, and I'm maybe being cup half full kind of guy, at the end, things will work out because he's a smart guy. And he has some advice for Musk how to walk that fine line between allowing unfettered free speech and censoring sensitive possibly lethal speech like anti-Semitism. Free speech is extremely important. It's a fundamental principle, obviously, in the Western world and in democracy, and, and that should never be belittled. Having said that, you know, if somebody's inciting to violence and someone's, you know, hate speech, there's no room for that in the Western, the free world. Now the question is, where do you draw the line? Some people will say, oh, if you're criticizing the Israeli government, you're an anti-Semite. Well, that's silly, right? You can, you can criticize policy. But if you're anti-Zionism, which is the fundamental belief that the Jewish people deserve a homeland. If you're anti that, aka you don't think I deserve a homeland, then you're an anti-Semite. For Fold, you can't divide hating Israel from hating Jews. And he says Twitter shouldn't tolerate that hate. Zionism is core to Judaism. We pray to Zion hundreds of times throughout our daily prayers. So to take Zion, to take Zionism and say, I'm anti that, but I'm not anti-Judaism is silly. It's a silly claim. But again, you can. By all means, criticize the Israeli government, you can criticize policies, you can criticize opinions, you can say whatever you want. But to say that the Jews are getting together on Friday night and trying to conspire to rule the world and they rule the media and they're, I mean, come on, stop it. I mean, these are, these are you know, anti-Semitic tropes that have been around forever. I mean, you know, Kanye West thinks he's so smart. Like, Hitler said it before him, and before him, you know, this isn't new. It just keeps repeating itself. So there is, the importance of free speech is extremely important within the limitation of, you know, hate speech. That's, we should have zero tolerance for that. Paul Strand, CBN News, Jerusalem. Coming up, in the post-COVID era, tourists are returning to Bethlehem, but things are not so simple for the Christians living there. Names from the Old Testament are being unearthed all over the city of Jerusalem. This was amazing. Come as close as you can get to personalities that are known from the Bible. Astonishing discoveries made today. A jaw-dropping moment of Bible archaeology. This is much more than a thrill. This is actual history that took place here on the site where we sit right now. Confirm the kings and prophets of the Bible left real evidence of their lives right time, the right place, with the right people. And one of the most significant finds in recent history. Exactly as the Bible tells us happened in the days of King Hezekiah. Written in stone, kings and prophets. We have the Bible and we have archaeologists. Telling our story, it's matching. The Old Testament is a reliable history book. Get your copy today for a gift of any dollar amount. Call now or go to cbn.com slash written in stone.
Hello, everyone. I am so happy we are together for one of my most favorite times of the year, Thanksgiving Day. Gizmo and friends have so much to be thankful for. I'm thankful for my family, my friends. For God and all that he has created. We have resources to be able to live. And the Holy Spirit. Join the CBN Animation Club and get the great Thanksgiving turkey test. Plus two copies to share with others. All for your gift of only $25. Since Israel reopened its borders in March, tourists have been flooding back. This influx is helping the Christian towns in Palestinian-controlled areas, including Bethlehem and Beit Sahor. Although, as Julie Stahl reports, another problem is looming before the local Christian community. Christians in Beit Sahor are happily welcoming visitors back to their town that's part of the story of Jesus' birth, especially for the Christmas season. This year is back and the, the, tourists, uh, the tourism now in Bethlehem is very good. We need tourism in Bethlehem. Without tourism in Bethlehem, we, we can't work. We have more than 100 uh, workshops for handicraft, for wood, uh, olive wood and mother, uh, mother bear. Hani Al-Hayek is mayor of Beit Zahur, a majority Christian town linked to Bethlehem. He says about two million tourists visit here each year. Christmas is Beit Sahur, it is something different because from Beit Sahur the angel announced that Jesus is born in this day. For us, we are the media of Jesus and we are so happy to receive all our visitors from other towns. Even with the boom of visitors, Beit Sahur and nearby Bethlehem are suffering from another issue. Christians have been leaving Palestinian Authority-controlled areas in great numbers for decades. I view the future of the Christians here as a gloomy or unpromising because the ongoing immigration is a big problem to us. It's unclear exactly how many people have left Beit Sahur in the last 20 years, although El Hayek believes at least 20,000 now live in Chile and the U.S. That's a big number considering the current population is around 15,000, 80% Christian and 20% Muslim. If you visit Flint in Chicago, in Chicago, United States, you think you are in Beit Sahur. They are seeking for security, seeking for economic situation. They are seeking for the, uh, the best life for their families. Samir Kumsiye, who runs what's known as the Nativity TV station, sees emigration as a big problem. I am afraid that one day will come that the Holy Sepulchre, the Nativity Church where Jesus was born, will be close empty museums. Kumsiye called on Christians worldwide to help their brothers and sisters in Beit Sahor to continue and live in the place tied to Jesus' birth. Julie Stahl, CBN News, Jerusalem. Up next, the Festival of Hanukkah when Jewish people around the world like Hanukkiahs for eight days celebrating the God of miracles. Orphans Promise is committed to loving and serving at-risk children, to helping keep families together, and to creating opportunities for strong and sustainable communities around the world. We're working in over 60 countries around the world, and with your help, we can do even more. There's an old African proverb I love that says, if you want to run fast, run alone. But if you want to run far, run together. 
At Orphans Promise, we want to run far so we can touch the lives of as many orphaned and vulnerable children as possible. But we don't want to go alone. We're out to change the world, one child, one family, one community at a time. Will you join us? the sounds of Southern Gospel from CBN Radio. You'll enjoy a rich Southern blend of bluegrass, classic gospel, and Southern Gospel favorites like the Gaithers, the Crab Family, and bluegrass sounds like Mountain Faith. So make yourself at home with the all-new CBN Southern Gospel, now available at CBNRadio.com. Introducing a brand new way to start your morning. Get your daily quick start from CBN News. A quick read on the important news of the day delivered right to your inbox. Stay current on breaking news, politics, and entertainment. Discover how God is moving around the world and here at home. Plus, get exclusive stories and daily scripture encouragement just for you. Stay informed. Go to quickstart.news and subscribe today. During Hanukkah, the Jewish people celebrate God's miraculous provision during a time of oppression and persecution. It's a holiday of prayer and wonder, especially in Jerusalem, where it all happened. Thousands of Israelis come to Jerusalem's old city at Hanukkah to celebrate and see the lights. All over the world, Jews say special prayers, thanking God for miracles past and present and light a special candelabra or menorah called a Hanukkah for eight days. This is a holiday about spirituality. This is a holiday about um, values. This is a holiday about connecting to God. So many Israelis come here, everybody's attracted to the light. Also known as the Feast of Dedication, Hanukkah is not mentioned in the Old Testament, but it is in the New Testament. Now it was the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. CBN News joined Rebecca Spiro and her family for the Jewish celebration. It's a holiday that celebrates religious freedom and our victory against oppression and our ability to rededicate the temple. And her children? The presents and the parties and the lots class. We have groups coming all the time and we go on trips and it's fun and it's just fun. In the second century BC, the Jewish people in Judea revolted against the Syrian Greek conquerors. The Seleucids try to impose their culture, forcing the Jews to eat pork and forbidding Sabbath observance, Torah reading, and circumcision. Worse still, the Seleucids defiled the Jewish temple in Jerusalem and dedicated it to the Greek god Zeus. Led by a priestly family known as the Maccabees, the Jewish people retook Jerusalem and rededicated the temple. But when they wanted to light the menorah, there was only a tiny bit of sacred olive oil left. We celebrate the eight days that the menorah burned, which is miracle. It was beyond nature, and also the um, military victory. Eating fried foods like potato pancakes and jelly donuts is another Hanukkah tradition. Spiro's family and neighbors also have their own personal tradition, 
to build unity between secular and religious Israelis. Every single year we bring out a table of drinks and thousands of people come to the old city for Hanukkah to look around and see the menorahs and the light. And then we, we give out um, our hot drinks to all, all the people that come. Spiro says there's a message in the holiday for today. The world's coming up against Israel. The wolves are circling the sheep. Um, this is nothing new. And the message of Hanukkah is that this, no matter what happens, our candles burn bright. And like uh, civilizations have come and gone, but the Jewish people are still here. Some of the most popular gifts from the Holy Land are olive wood carvings. Meet Zach Mishriki, an Arab Christian shopkeeper employing Bethlehem craftsmen who depict the birth of Jesus with their creations. I'm Zach Mishriki. I'm a local Jerusalemite since hundreds of years. My family have been here. I sell lots of biblical items and olive wood and coins from the first century. 300 USBC coin. Wow. This business was bought through my grandfather and my uncle and my father worked in it, but we closed it for many years, and I just restarted it a few years back. Yes, thank you very God bless much. you. Christian missionaries, you know, when they came to the country in the late 1800s and early 1900s, they started to see that they need to teach people handicrafts in order to support their survival and make them stay here in the Holy Land. Still, there is many Christian families in the Holy Land here, and some local Christians from the West Bank who does all of my olive wood. Olive tree for traditional farmers in the Holy Land means a lot. First of all, we look at it in the Bible. You know, the dove that came to Noah came back with the olive branch. So olive means hope. We have many proverbs in Arabic connected to olives and oil. If you dream of olive tree, it means something good is gonna happen. It's very connected to the Middle East and to people here. There's few kinds of olive tree. Mostly we choose the old Roman. It's a very solid tree that lives for thousands of years. It doesn't grow big, but it's always condensed and strong. So. If you go to places in Jerusalem, you see that there is uh, olive trees, you know, fields since the Roman period. And this is where we focus on because these trees, it's 700 years old or 1,500 years old. This is what kind of moves us. So we don't cut it, you know, in purpose, of course, but if we're opening a road or if someone is building a home, then we take it and do what we have to do. So we cut it. We dry it for a few years. We decide from the beginning what it's gonna be. The guy that worked with me, he can see it from far away. He can look at it and say, this tree or these woods gonna be Christmas ornaments, let's say, or nativity. They carve biblical stories into wood and people enjoy it. It's beautiful and lives for a long time. And we like it because it's a family heirloom, from a mother to a daughter, from a father to son. We're helping local Christians to have their basic life through the business that they can have a good income, more food in their table. I think everybody's having a hard time to find work in the West Bank. The number of Christians is decreasing dramatically since 20 years. 
1966 and 65, Christians were around 65,000. Today, we're around 10. So this can help them to think of God more, pray more, and stay here, because their existence here in this country is very important. Well, that's all for this edition of Jerusalem Dateline. Thanks for joining us. Remember, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And you can also access CBN content through our CBN News and other CBN apps. And don't forget to sign up for our email blast so you can continue to receive all of our exciting CBN content. I'm Chris Mitchell. We'll see you next time on Jerusalem Dateline.